guys, but I like this, though, because Scott did, too. Yes. <laughs> Scott was even ticked off at T-Bob at this point. Not Boulder Hill, Boulder Mountain. Yeah. Which okay. I was wondering if that was more to the complex that we don't know about. Or if it was just a... Oops. They, I think they made a mistake in the in the writer's department. This is it, Matt. They You're really done. pinned them in. I mean, that yeah. was good. It was good the way they did that. Computer, scan files. Select mask agents best suited for this mission. Jason Gross, radio broadcaster, retro gamer, blogger, mask movie co-writer, vehicle codename 6000, 80s guru skills critical, Wyatt Bloom, broadcast technician, DJ, critic, mask movie co-writer, vehicle codename Phoenix, 80s analysis vital. Personnel approved. Assemble Mobile Armored Strike Command. Hello, agents, and welcome to MassCast 54 and the final episode review for our Season 4 stretch of Episodes 31 through 40. Tonight's focus will be on Episode 40, Eyes of the Skull, which will include our usual play-by-play commentary mixed in with audio clips of the actual episode. At the dramatic halfway point and at the conclusion of the episode, we'll stop to give our impressions and rate in our one to five scale polling system. We'll also read back listener reviews and comments along with the results of our poll. As always, we invite you to interact with us prior to each podcast on our website, agentsofmass.com. And you can find the mass cast assignment in the right hand column, which will lead you to the poll and the YouTube link. And you can simply leave a comment during our live Google Hangout recording session that we're doing right now, if you want to. But before we uh, get started with the review, we'll do our usual get your mask on segment with our recent mask community news. And before we sign off, we'll preview our next podcast, as we always do. Eyes of the Crystal Skull was first broadcast on November 22nd, 1985 in the U.S. and features... Venom leader Miles Mayhem using an ancient crystal skull with x-ray vision to see through Matt Tracker's mask. Discovering his true identity on the streets of San Francisco, Mayhem then kidnaps Matt's son Scott Tracker. The ransom for Scott's safe return includes all of the mask technology and of course the masks, the identity of all the agents, and the location of Boulder Hill. So we shall see what happens in tonight's episode. I'm Jason, one of your hosts of MassCast, and with me as always is my longtime friend and co-host, the Doc Brown to my Marty McFly. Wyatt, shall we go back to the future? Great Scott, it's like Biff took the DeLorean and skewed to this timeline. <laughs> into, so we're living in an alternate 1985. <laughs> One of the best lines I loved, we were talking about it on our Rediscover the 80s podcast here last week, and we were just talking about it here earlier. But if you're listening to the podcast version of this, we celebrated Back to the Future, the 30th anniversary on Rediscover the 80s 
and uh, it was just off the cuff. I it was Tuesday night. Hadn't heard anything from Jason. Didn't even think about it. it was kind of just we saw it all in the media. It's anticipation, yeah. and all of a sudden, it's like right after dinner. I'm like, we didn't do anything about this. Yeah, <laughs> not at all. I mean, little trinket links and stuff, but we didn't do anything. Yeah, I had been sharing stuff on the Facebook page of Rediscover the '80s, and had a couple articles throughout the last couple of weeks, but. It was definitely something that we needed to do just to uh, talk about and release something for Back to the Future Day, October 21st, 2015, when they went. What I find is funny, though, uh-huh. with that date, now we've gotten it right, because how many times <laughs> in the past has someone popped up on yes. Facebook or something and said, hey, we're already in the future and it's July something or June <laughs> something? I'm like, I know that's not the date. That Yeah, I, that was like that for years. They would like, come up with those pictures, yeah. and somebody had photoshopped it. Of course. And gosh, I, I, we, I meant to talk about that in the in the podcast, but that was crazy. That I don't know. People just wanted to get a. <laughs> they want to get to the future quicker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We finally got the right date. Set right. the record straight. Now we can just go on with our own future. <laughs> right. But it was actually kind of cool because I'll get a. Uh, patting ourselves on the back so much but just it was like wow this is really fresh in our minds and i know it's a regular for me but not uh i'll watch it maybe once a year and that's maybe all i can turn out so to be able to remember what we did see Mm -hmm. on that show yeah was just crazy and you know we asked about what our favorite parts were and so forth and that's why i introed with that line because i'm like that one sticks out now. Is that yeah. skew, that whole that chalkboard one, and I guess he just did even did a little uh, spot, and you see it on on mostly Facebook. I don't think I've been on TV yet, but he does this where we landed in the future. Yeah, he, and, he, he did a little announcement on right, that day. And you see that, except it's on a dry erase, but it's <laughs> you see the whole skew timeline that he does. So it was actually really yeah. Fun. There's a lot of if you haven't gone through uh if you're not a, over on rediscover the 80s i did a recap the day after of all the stuff and there was at least i think i put up like 30 links to other sites in that yeah. recap um and there was links to videos and some of the merchandise and stuff that was just announced that day there was a new one of those funko pop vinyl figures of marty on his hoverboard which yeah. was really cool and then one thing I had seen too was a Back to the Future Yahtzee, and the Yahtzee Shaker. You know, they all there's there's one that's like Super Mario Brothers, which is pretty cool. It looks like a block question block, <laughs> awesome. but this one looks like the flux capacitor and even lights up. So I thought that was really that's cool. Awesome. So, but anyway, we're, we're gonna go on a bunny trail just for a second. <laughs> Bear with us. Have you seen? Because you said Super Mario's, and I'm uh-huh. wearing Super Mario today. <laughs> Have you seen that there is a, I think it's an app, mm-hmm. maybe it's an emulator, but there's an app that you can build your own. Oh, no, it's not an app. It's a game. It's an actual game on, uh, I think it's on Wii or Wii U or whatever it is now, Super Mario Maker. Yeah. yeah. It's an actual video game. I just saw it flipping by. I didn't actually look too in-depth and it. it looked like an app to me that you could pop on your iPad no, or it's an actual game. It it came out I think last month and I've seen many cool levels created so far. My buddy's over at 
pop rewind they created one that had like a back to the future theme nice <laughs> and they made a little clock tower you know the little fireball yeah. stick that was the clock tower's uh, clock hands. <laughs> the oh, wow. hands and uh they had mario on a I don't know what he was on. It was some kind of car or something that he was driving <laughs> and they had notes up there. And I, I guess you can make music with it too, because they were doing the, the theme, you know, dun, 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 dun. and that's awesome. It was, uh, it was pretty cool. But yeah, that, that game is making me want to get a, a Wii, you. a Wii U or whatever, just to be able to play that. And I see <laughs> in my feed all the time are articles about these ridiculously built levels and they'll have uh there's one guy on youtube that's been trying to beat all these and all he does is just he'll wake up in the morning and somebody sends him a level to try it and to beat and he tries to beat it and it's crazy it's the things that come up wow. with is crazy but that's a really cool looking yeah. game so i need to get back into video game like <laughs> modern video games because <laughs> i'm still you know we Last time I was up here, you let me borrow Super Mario 3 so uh, me and the boys could play. Right, hey. And I'm still happy with that. But <laughs> without I have hundreds of dollars. It's funny because we have two Wii's. We bought the second one actually more as a stream box. It was actually cheaper than buying a Blu-ray stream box. And that was for the bedroom. The original one we had, my son plays it to death to the point that we actually had to say it's broken because <laughs> he won't he has a fit because he goes crazy because he doesn't i don't think he knows what he wants to play or more maybe it's more like he wants to play it all at one time right because it'll go from mario kart but we'll just put it in pop it on he'll turn it on no that's not what i wanted <laughs> so then we'll pop in whatever other oh, ones we have i can't remember all the ones we have yeah. we've gone through it we only have three or four anyway games but uh, uh santa's been requested to bring a playstation 4 to our house this year so I don't know if that's going to happen or not. We shall see. But yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's put the uh, Mario and Mario DeLorean and, and yeah. Back let's, to let's, the future. let's send them back in the DeLorean and get out of here. <laughs> and uh, let's get our mask on. So I guess a couple things in the mask community. Of course, we're still reeling from our interview with Sharon and Brendan McCain. That's an, that was an incredible, uh, and I still haven't listened to all of it. I usually listen more as uh, uh, one entertainment, obviously, but two to QC uh, Jason's work. But uh, <laughs> it, it was fun. I still haven't gotten all the way through it, but it was. It just, was a long interview, and she she gave us she a whole. A, she was incredible. Yeah, she gave us a whole lesson on How to writing write novels. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, I left it all in there just because it was good information to know, especially if you're getting into writing. But if you haven't listened to the interview, uh, that was MassCast 53, go check that out this week and break it up into parts if you have to. It's, I think it's like two and a half hours. Yeah, it's, it's um, quite a while. So we were very, very grateful that they gave us our, right. their time. Right, and Brendan, and, you know, he spent what he could with us. We were trying to be cognizant of his time. Even for both of them, we were like, should we ask him for liners? Like we did for Doug, and we're like, man, yeah. we we've already stretched their time probably way too much. Maybe next time, yeah. We'll catch I did. Up on Skype I did at the at the very beginning. I got Brendan doing a little bit of yeah, Miles Mayhem, which is cool. Uh, that he did during the show, 
and uh, Van- uh and, and Vanessa and <laughs> Sharon. She did a little bit of Vanessa that one time where yeah. she went low, and obviously, and she what, even did the computer. Well, she did the computer too. That was pretty cool, and told us about that. But I think it's really neat that here we are, thirty years later, and just listening back to the podcast, she still sounds like Gloria. I mean, her normal voice is Gloria, right? And like, if you listen to Doug, and Doug will even even told us, you know, I can't do Matt Tracker anymore. I can do his grandfather, right? Because his voice is aged, but her voice has not changed, right? But and maybe I've seen the difference even when we're talking about Doug when you're in person with mm-hmm, him mm-hmm. or more so when we were on the interview a year ago with him, I swear. And I think we joked about it that he sounded more like Matt tracker by himself than he did trying Matt tracker out. <laughs> uh, but maybe it's just because we're, we're mentally changing could the gear be, to make, to sound like him. I, I don't know. No, he still did the other character spot on. I thought. Oh yeah. In, in fact, we don't know because we never watched Simon Manchester played the game, but the one guy in the audience when we were at RetroCon, mm-hmm. he's like, Doug even says, was that close? <laughs> the guy's like, that's spot on. Yeah. So it was, yeah, we're still reveling yeah. in all of this. It was just humbling. And we're so thankful to all of them so far, you know, Doug, uh, Sharon and Brandon, thank you so much for, for taking your, your time to, to just spend a few moments, although it was, hours with us yeah the other day but it and was if, awesome if you listen to the show too we're trying to rope in uh mark halloran uh sometime soon i've made contact so hopefully he'll uh he'll respond back here when he has time and we'll set up a time to talk with him and talk with sly racks and That'd buddy awesome. hawks and cliff awesome. dagger and <laughs> and uh from according to sharon he still does all the voices yeah, and, and, and many more that he's and that's what she, he even she even let the cat out of the bag. You know, that's that they come still come over for holidays and certain dinners and even meeting them at lunches and they'll show up and they're still making mask lines to yeah. this day, thirty years <laughs> later, still going back and forth. Yeah, right. And then you know, like I said earlier in the in the podcast, uh, maybe in the opener that we're talking, uh, we were talking our, from our radio station liner. That's us. We work yeah. in radio. We know those sticking lines. Uh, even the one ESPN promo that we used to do. What is ESPN radio? Him and I can still do it back and <laughs> forth 20 years later. Yeah. So it sticks uh, with you. It oh, does. yeah. Certain things do. And that was, you know, that was our intro to radio. So that's, I think, why it stuck with us. Yeah. And that was their them. intro to their yeah. voice work. That's what, that's what stuck with them. So, well, uh, so go check that out this week, that podcast we just put up. One other thing that I've been teasing over on the Facebook page this week is some new imagery for our polling we did for our live action movie script awesome. of the uh, the actors. That's some awesome and, stuff. Uh, we, we need to get him to do the film. <laughs> well, actually, it was not me that uh, came up with those. The person who's doing it wants to remain anonymous at this point because he's said he's swapped with other <laughs> uh, work right projects. now okay. projects. But um, yeah, hopefully this week I'm gonna put those up on our website and I'll do a little post announcing it. But yeah, you know, we back in uh, earlier this year we recast our actors that we we kind of put out. I think it was four or five of them. We had our uh, the people following us nominate who they thought would be best for Matt Tracker and Bruce Sato and Dusty Hayes and everybody that was in our script. 
And then from the top answers of those, we polled. And whoever won that was essentially our pick to, if somebody wants to look at our script or pick it up, here's the actor we think should play Matt Tracker. Right. And like this time, it was still Aaron Eckhart, who you know is uh, Harvey Dent in like, uh, The Dark Knight, Batman. Um, he's been in some other ones, other pretty big movies as well. But um, so I reached out to this person and I was like, can you, because he did some excellent work uh, that I had seen before. I said, can you put uh, this guy's head on a Matt Tracker suit, <laughs> you know? And he said, I'll try. And uh, it, they come out really well. So I've got a few of those, you know, full body shots essentially to share, even with some of the vehicles in the background. It's really cool. Nice. You haven't even seen those yet. No, but, I uh, haven't. So he's being teased with the rest of you. Because <laughs> I, I actually didn't see, I didn't catch the Matt Tracker tease. I caught Tracker and Gloria. Tease. Vanessa. Or Vanessa. Yeah. I saw that, that tease, and that's what I'm like. And then the third How did I one, miss this in yeah. the trail? So I had to go back and think. Yeah. What? Who did I miss? What? What? And I'm actually, in fact, in my mind, I hadn't even. I still hadn't actually the question. I'm like, is there something that you know that's going on with our script that I don't know? No, that was just. Uh, this was a long time coming. I, I had asked him way early, like after the the polls had ended earlier this year, and he just sporadically he would send me. Here's the next person. Here's the next person. So this week I'll be sharing more of those. So you, uh, you get a chance to look at essentially the fans vote for the characters in our script and who, which big name actors should play them. So that should be pretty cool. You got anything else going on in the community? I didn't write anything else down. I really notes. haven't been, I'll be honest. I haven't been paying attention. Um, home reconstruction has kept me a little away <laughs> right. from the media right now, social media. I will shout out again the person who has been doing those masks on uh Yeah, he has quite the collection now. Oh my gosh. In fact, Doug commented I followed Doug Stone and he commented how awesome these masks are. He's now has I think there's eight. There's like eight now. He, he has torch. Yeah, he has torch, he has viper, he has spectrum. He has Hocus Pocus. Um, Here they are. His name is Karsten Satcher, and they're unbelievable. He's got, yeah, he's got Viper, Torch, and Whip. And then for the good guys, he's got Spectrum and Lifter and Hocus Pocus. And right now he's working on Penetrator and Aura. Uh, he has not completed those ones yet from his last picture, but he's got them all on a shelf. Oh, looks really cool. So I, he did post that to the uh, Mask Peaceful Nations Alliance Facebook page, which everybody should be following at this point. But there's a lot of good stuff over yeah. there. But, um, I mean, these are unbelievable. The detail, you know, I commented before when he posted some of these pictures that they look like they're just pulled right out of the cartoon. They're that detailed and that you know, spot on that... Uh, they're just, they're awesome. So we got some more questions right. chiming in. Right. We can take a quick. The first one is really a, actually a comment to us uh, kind of in the opener. We were talking about the uh, Vaughn asked if we had, we'd take a look at the fantastic world of uh, Hanna-Barbera. So he's sending us a link 
to that on DeviantArt, uh, MrWonderworks.DeviantArt.com. Oh, cool. So we will definitely take yeah, a look we'll at that. We'll check that out, Vaughn. Uh, the second one was actually a comment. He says, I, I wish that DeLorean was the Thunderhawk instead of the Camaro. Oh, those are fighting words there. Now, <laughs> if you remember, look on YouTube. And I made a comment about this a few podcasts ago. Take a look. When they're doing a spot for one of the commercials, you see the kids playing, right? Mm -hmm. They use the red DeLorean, one of the rare ones that was painted red. And you see it from the back end because the back end looked similar to a Camaro. And you see it closing its doors, the gullwing doors, before driving off. No kidding. So it was for that one spot thunderhawk was a delorean so check it out on youtube i don't know the specifics but just check it out for um i'll see if i can find it cuz i yeah. at one point i put together a playlist on our youtube channel of all the commercials right that i could find essentially so and it might be uh, on that it could be one of those in there but that was probably like the, around the series 2 commercials when they started doing like the real putting shots of the real cars in there. Yeah. Well, not real, but they're they they made to look. Good. Yeah. Yeah. They were looking good. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It, it I kind of like it as the Camaro just because it's, it's unique. There's no going doors, Camaros driving that is around. True. That is true. I like, I like, uh, I like your thought on that. <laughs> you don't see that, especially since, you know, the gullwing door, there had to be a frame around to get to the door side yeah so the camaro has no frame whatsoever so you'd yeah, have to actually custom. manufacture custom make a gullwing door and uh, i don't know we might have to go back to target and get that red delorean we saw the hot wheels and we might uh, see and compare the two <laughs> <laughs> we might let's uh let's go ahead and get started you ready to uh go drive the streets of san francisco i'm ready to start the Mousecast! We fade in on the Golden Gate Bridge. And then we are taken immediately into an auction house with the auctioneer calling out the bids. We discover that a mask has been sold for $38,000 with T-Bob flipping over the price because <laughs> it doesn't do anything. <laughs> Scott hushes him. It's the only one of its kind, over 2,000 years old. I hope I'm worth 38 big ones when I'm 2,000. Matt says that he's already priceless, with T-Bob interjecting again that he's already bored. <laughs> so he suggests to Scott that they see Alcatraz, and we begin to see that this is a theme throughout the whole yeah. show. The next item up for bid, as old Bob Barker, or maybe <laughs> now Drew Carey says, is the crystal skull with its unknown origin or creation with a starting bid of fifty thousand dollars i have fifty thousand fifty thousand the thing's only good for an ashtray i'd rather have the african mask matt looks over at bruce who nods then raises his hand and bid i kind of like this now i'm going to stop you there for a second because we'll see here towards the end of this auction that matt was kind of hosting it so yeah. he's having Bruce kind of do his dirty work to the side. <laughs> you know, this is my auction, but I want you to 
try to get this item. Yeah, while really? <laughs> I can't bid, but you can. Yeah, right. So, uh, but T-Bob rolls his eyes and says that it's only good for an ashtray. <laughs> T-Bob continues to mistakenly raise his hands, which keeps raising the price. Right. Even that suit of armor would be more useful. T-Bob, you just bid $90,000. 90000 No, I didn't. All I did was this. 100000 Thank you. Scott then tries to hold him down as the price raises up to $110,000. Then the skull begins to glow with this blue hue, which was actually impressive. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And then the lights Back. go out with everyone looking on in amazement. The skull then sends out this piercing bright light and vanishes. And I don't know what you were thinking at the time, mm -hmm. but without knowing going forward what this was about, I actually wondered if this was some kind of connection, uh, the mask crystal, like hmm. there was a combination to it. So when, when I saw that it lit up and then vanished, initially I thought, okay. Is this like in combination that hmm. maybe maybe Matt has you know spectrum and a briefcase down on the floor <laughs> and it's it's flipping out what so I know I, I didn't make that connection at all um, I just I guess saw it as something that Matt wanted in his collection that was different and uh, unique didn't really think about any of its potential powers or or whatever and I don't think at this point at least the way Matt and Bruce acted after this next scene goes down, they didn't really know much about it until they get back to the car and when right. they eventually talk to this guy. But yeah, I didn't make that connection there. Hmm. By this time, the, the light from the skull, everybody's kind of shading their eyes and the skull disappears. Well, then Matt and Bruce, Scott and T-Bob, they rush the stage. I'm sorry. The auction will have to be postponed until an investigation can be made. Oh, Mr. Tracker, this is terribly embarrassing. He apologizes to Matt. That's where I was kind of going with that. that right. It was kind of his sponsored auction or whatever. But Matt tells him not to lose his head, that there must be an explanation. Bruce suggests someone took it when they weren't looking. But the auctioneer interjects that they're guards essentially at all the exits. And then T-Bob, the detective that he is, he notices a small hole in the floor. There's a little hole here, but it's too small for the skull to fit through. But maybe it's some kind of... Trap! And as he says trap, he falls, falls through. through this trap door in this uh, table. He's going through a lot of falls lately. He goes <laughs> and sits on that one little plank, falls down a well. And he's always, I don't know. Yeah, he's clumsy. Yeah. We'll put it that way. Must be in his uh, programming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Matt then tells Scott to back away as he and Bruce move the table to essentially uncover this opening. They discover a tunnel and they call down to T-Bob to make sure he's okay. T-Bob states that he really fell for that one. Hardy har har. <laughs> and he finds this device on the wall, though. Now... We're taken to Matt, and he's got this device in his hands. He says it's a mini laser, 
that was aimed straight up to shine through this pedestal table and to brighten the skull. So it was kind of a practical effect, right? essentially, and wasn't anything magical about the skull, they learned. And that's a tunnel down there. Whatever for? You can bet it's no tunnel of love. And somebody dropped the skull through that trap door and took it. But why steal that skull? Bruce uh, then questions why they would steal the skull with many other objects worth more at the auction. I thought that was pretty good. Right. And then, of course, T-Bob says, maybe somebody realized that two heads are better than one. But I'm um, rolling my eyes. Yeah. So, yeah, T-Bob, <laughs> he, uh, he was up to his old jokes this episode. And, oh, yeah. And... Well, more than just him. But well, anyway, after they discover all this, um, this guy comes up named Crowley and interrupts them. He says he's from the Archaeological Institute. The crystal skull in criminal hands? Very serious. Very, very serious. And then he walks away. And we are taken to the next scene in San Francisco. But I, I don't know. I... I like the mystery of it. You know, they've done this in a couple episodes where something happens at the beginning to tease us and they don't go into full detail on what exactly happened or the full extent of the story. And that's good. And I, I don't know. What did you think about this guy? Do you think they should have explained a little bit more there? Initially, because he, he says like the line about not falling into criminals' hands. Right. And we're all wondering. Well, until the next scene when they're in the car, why? But I don't know. Well, initially, I'm like, I was more concerned because it's like, like he's like a snooty kind of person just comes up. <laughs> well, they were outbidding him at the auction. So right. And maybe he's probably ticked probably, off. That's probably that. <laughs> where part of it came from. But it's more like, better not have, like you said, not have fallen into someone's criminal's hands. And then he's, he just walks away like tsk, tsk, tsk type yeah. of thing, you know. Uh, it's very serious. Then he even capstones it with very serious indeed. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I don't and know. I, and if I were mad, I'm like, dude, you can elaborate some yeah. more, not being pissed off that I won <laughs> or was winning. Whatever. Well, maybe that's, maybe I'm reading too much into it. Maybe that's all it was. was just yeah. Him <laughs> angry at the, at the bit. Well, losing the skull too. But. Right. So anyway, we get driving back in the uh, San Francisco streets and Matt uses the mass computer on board Thunderhawk to learn why anyone would want to steal the crystal skull. Present available data on the crystal skull. Discovered during archaeological dig in Central America. Possible artifact of ancient Mayan Indians. T-Bob cracks that the Mayans were smart and they knew how to put their head together. Rolling my eyes, but I like this though because Scott did too. Yes, <laughs> Scott was even ticked off at T Bob at this point. All right, enough with the jokes, you moron. Um, <laughs> the computer then also says the legend has it uh, by looking through the eyes of the crystal skull can make you see through solid objects. And we get this computer image uh, on the screen of the actual skull, and then it fades right into. The skull being in Miles Mayhem's hands, yeah, which was a really cool transition there. Very good transition. I like that. And like you say, it's now in his hand, and he's basically just looking it over, mm -hmm. and he ends up having Dagger stop at a bank. Ah, there's a bank. Stop here. 
Okay. First, we'll knock on the door. And Dagger you know, basically pops up uh, Jack Hammer's turret cap and blasts the doors. Rax confronts Miles saying, this is a nickel and dime robbery. Why would we even bother? I thought we were just going to sell that thing. Perhaps, perhaps. There's something I want to know first. It's Sunday. There's no one around. No harm in experimenting. Now, I like this little question by Rax because, you know, in the past, they have essentially taken these objects to sell. They would take it to some multimillionaire and, here, you want this? You know, right. or, or, $5 million. Or, or essentially do this millionaire's dirty work. Like, the one that came to mind was the Lippenzahner mystery, where they're after those horses that uh, that guy hires Venom to... Uh, take the horses. Yeah, the get the horses. So I like this that Rax interjected, you know, like, what are you doing? You know, we'd usually just pawn this off on somebody for the money. Right. And but Miles has another plan. So well, I, thought, of course, I thought that was really good. It's not in Rax's uh, need to know, I guess. <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, inside the bank vault now, he says it doesn't matter that they robbed the bank, but how? After fumbling to discover how it works, Miles places it in front of his face. The legends are true. I can see through the door, through anything up to about 15 feet. Dagger, try these numbers. Well, I guess you can see the back of the wall, and it's 15 feet, I guess, is your estimation. Yeah. One of those arbitrary, why did, how did you randomly set, come to that conclusion that you yeah. can only go 15 feet? I guess it was just five looking in there and judging. Yeah. And using the skull, he is able to have Dagger punch in the appropriate combo to the open door. That's the disconnect that I had with this is there was no like fingerprint like we'd see on a MacGyver episode, you know, where he uses baby powder or dust from a drywall and figures out that there's four buttons that's been pressed. Right. He just says, punch this and this and this and this and it worked. Yeah. So that one was like a disconnect for me. Not a not a big knockoff point, but Yeah, I like, had the same thing that I wrote in my notes that uh, I'm not sure how that would work and it's not like the code was written inside the mechanism or something to right. punch it in. If it would have been just a normal vault where he's looking through and he can see the, the actual tumblers, tumblers right. turning, I think that would have made more sense. But we didn't essentially see that. And there could have been tumblers in there or something that, I don't know, somehow gave him the combination. But <laughs> yeah, it was a little disconnect there. I, yeah. I understand that. But Dagger finds it impressively easy with a chuckling mayhem. Back to the mass computer, it tells us that the properties of the crystal are not understood. T-Bob replies that it's in a glass of its own. <laughs> Roll your eyes again. Bruce looks out the passenger window to discover a Bronco, and I like this because he identifies it as the Bronco. Matt, a Bronco and a motorcycle parked together by a bank on Sunday. Jackhammer and Piranha? We know Venom agents have been seen in San Francisco. It's worth checking. Yes, he did, but at the same time, he says uh, he wonders if it's Jackhammer and Piranha. Right. Since it's Sunday or something. I don't know. It, it was like 
he thought it was them, but he wasn't sure. And I would think he would know. You would think. Unless they're transformed or something, you're not going to know for sure if there's a bunch right. of black Broncos around. So maybe, again, I'm reading too much into <laughs> I took what it, he should know. But I kind of took it more at face value. He just identified that the jackhammer is a Bronco, Yeah, which helps us in the script because that's how I just randomly <laughs> came to the conclusion. Well, it's on the it's actually on the toy box too. It is does it? say Bronco. I oh, think. Okay, I'm pretty sure. I, I could Darn. be wrong about that. Anyway. Darn, I can't trademark that thing. Um, then Bruce suggests Jackhammer and Piranha, and then Matt replies that Venom has been seen in San Francisco. So they go check it out, and Matt, the brilliant and ever loving father that he is, <laughs> dumps the duo off. <laughs> It says, no funny business now, kiddo. You two get on the cable car. And he slams the door shut. <laughs> and peels out. <laughs> what dad drops your kid off, even in the mid-80s? Why would you drop your son off in the middle of a huge city? I can see Clearfield, PA. That's, that's fairly <laughs> safe. I can't see huge city. Get on the cable car. No funny yeah, business. He's got T-Bob. T-Bob. <laughs> well, we know how how effective T- Well, actually, T-Bob is somewhat effective. He's, he's the nanny. Your yeah. dad said no. Your dad said not to do this. But He's then, more uh, a nanny, then, babysitter kind of a... Pretty much. <laughs> but yeah, I, I did thought it was funny the way he just kind of, get out of my car, kid. Got to go on a... <laughs> That's how I took it. I'm like, dude, you do all these PSAs and then you do that. <laughs> right. So T-Bob suggests that if it is Venom that they've removed, then they can see Alcatraz. So, again, like I said, it's a running theme for T-Bob that he really wants to see Alcatraz. I feel like I'm in Alcatraz. I don't get to do anything. <laughs> I thought that was a good line. It was. Inside the bank, Miles is trying to rush Dagger, saying the money isn't important. Yet Dagger jokes that it's spending money. Rax is using the skull and sees mask outside in their flight suits i don't believe it they show up sure as ants at a picnic it's mask let's clear out don't be idiots this is a chance of a lifetime rax stall them dagger be ready for a fast getaway outside matt and bruce are trying to sneak around when rax races around the corner and shouts stiletto fire ends up pinning them down behind a bench with Bruce really just being perplexed. Yeah. And Matt says that uh, they have a penetrating way about them. But I liked this little scene because it's like they finally got the upper hand, at least for the time being. And you see Mask is, they're pinned down. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like that little scene. Well, the setup was good too with Rex kind of wondering, they usually just hightail it out of there. Right. And now... Mayhem wants to stick around and play. <laughs> Cat and, and mouse. Right, right. And so they were, yeah, I mean, they were vulnerable. They did have their masks. And, you know, eventually we see Matt use Spectrum that one time to kind of fire back at Rax. But I was wondering until we got to the point, I'm like, all right, so just use your mask, do something. Lift Rax up onto a building or something, Bruce. Right, right. <laughs> Instead of just, you know, they're behind this park bench, which I thought was. <laughs> hilarious yeah. uh what kind of cover are you going to get from a park bench but something's better than nothing i suppose <laughs> well 
Well, anyway, now from inside the bank, we see Mayhem approaching a window, and he uses the crystal skull to look down on Matt and Bruce behind this bench. He sees he sees Bruce first, and says he doesn't recognize him. And then he looks at Matt, waiting for him to turn around. Rex makes another pass, and Matt turns his head, and then Mayhem identifies him. Matt Tracker! It's Matt Tracker! He's the leader of Mask! Tracker, let's go! Outside, Matt uses Spectrum laser to fire back at Rax a little bit. Piranha fires a few more times with Matt and Bruce still behind this bench as Jackhammer speeds by with Piranha following then. Two men look at each other and then we were taken back inside Thunderhawk where Matt asks the mass computer to select the best agents for the mission in San Francisco. And we get two agents this time. We get Gloria Baker and she selected for her driving skills over the San Francisco terrain, you know, all those hilly streets. Yep. But that was good that they're explaining this again. Right. And then next we get Dusty Hayes and his amphibious vehicle, since the uh, ocean is nearby. Right. And Matt approves and orders the uh, team to assemble. Cut back to Scott and T-Bob. They're now walking down the street. Uh, I thought this was fun animation. It was kind of 3D, the way they were walking at an angle yeah. down the street. Yeah, uh, They did a good job with that. T-Bob continues to ask Scott if they can go to see Alcatraz. And Scott tells him if he doesn't stop, that he'll leave them there. <laughs> I laughed at that one. That's a good one. Uh, better than some of those other puns yeah. they end this episode. Their uh, walk comes to an abrupt end with Rax standing in their way. Huh? Venom! Whoa! Let me go! Rax gives T-Bob the old boot to the face. I saw that. <laughs> and T-Bob, he goes flying back into this uh, like potted plant or something nearby. Rax grabs Scott and forces him into Piranha's sidecar. He then closes the glass windshield, kind of trapping Scott inside. We get Piranha speeding away. With Scott flailing about, trying to get out, and T-Bob getting back onto his feet now as he watches them speed away. And T-Bob yells, Scott, Scott, as we fade to the dramatic commercial break. Scott! 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 Well, I'll, I'll turn it over to you here and give your impressions since we're at halftime, but I had a problem with how Rax found Scott. Obviously, they know it's Matt Tracker. They know he has a son, which they should already know. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, Scott and T-Bar are essentially randomly in San Francisco down this street. Uh, you know, maybe if they would have showed Rax going past or something and slamming on the brakes and, oh, okay, let me go get Scott. We'll get Matt Tracker this way. Right. Or if Miles Mayhem... You know, go find his son. He should be around here somewhere, you know, something or something. Like but that. I don't know. They didn't give any explanations. No. So him showing up there, I thought was kind of, I don't know. Too coincidental. Yeah. Too coincidental. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, what are your impressions so far? Um, aside from T-Bob's Alcatraz and some of his lame jokes, I'm actually really 
enticed or enjoying this this episode. Uh-huh. Uh, it puts a lot of connection in together for, of how Miles knows Matt, at least for now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think T-Bob's over the top just yet. He's getting there, but I don't think he's quite over the top just With yet. With the jokes? Yeah. They add a lot of detail, like you just mentioned, about the 3D kind of effect where he's kind of they're shot at an angle really yeah i also like the the outline that they did it's very faint but you can see the outline that they did for the masks when miles is using the x-ray of the oh yeah yeah, skull yeah I did to see, see so i like that detail there it was actually kind of a clever idea to use the the laser so that they could steal the skull because it, it made its own blinding light from there yeah wasn't thrilled like i identified earlier how miles figured out the code but we didn't see how he figured out the code yeah like i like i suggested maybe the uh, macgyver ism <laughs> but i'm very impressed with this so i'm i'm really out of five that's what i'm at okay, what about you cool. i'm just a tick lower i'm i'm at a four and a half it was a great episode so far i thought the story was good Bruce and even T-Bob's little detective work at the beginning. I uh, like the small little battle with Piranha and the two agents outside. The animation was great, you know, like we've been talking about. The transition of the skull on the mass computer that was into, into Mayhem's hands, and then they did it back again yeah. to go back inside the Thunderhawk. So the animation was really good. Of course, the stupid puns, you know, it's something you just kind of deal with at this point. <laughs> But there was a couple times, you know, where Scott actually rolled his eyes and then he had a couple good lines that weren't puns back at T-Bob. You know, like right. he's going to leave him in Alcatraz if he doesn't shut up. <laughs> uh, you know, I thought that kind of offset the bad ones. So right. that was good. There was a little voice mistake, I think, with Mayhem when he was uh, in the vault. He says, perhaps, and then he says, perhaps again. It was like, it was almost like he should have said perhaps or perhaps not, you know, and they missed the I little didn't catch that. Yeah. I caught that because I was wondering what his point was or whatever. Yeah. Um, so there was just a, a little mistake there that kind of threw me off, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't big. You know, I talked about Bruce not readily identifying Ron and Jackhammer. I think I might've talked myself out of that tick <laughs> in the, the code that we mentioned. Um, Probably the biggest thing that bothered me was that the bank didn't have an alarm on Sunday. What's up with true. that? <laughs> that is true. I didn't I mean, even just think because it's Sunday doesn't mean you turn the alarm off. Okay. It went, went so. safer on Sunday. <laughs> and then, you know, like I talked about before, the, the coincidence of Rax finding Scott randomly in the street. But even with all that, I, you know, I'll drop it down a, a half point from our starting at five and give it a four and a half. So. So after our illustrious dramatic commercial, we see T-Bob reaching back to push the radio button, which doesn't make sense. He has to click yeah. the radio button. We've, we've talked about that before yeah. where there's been episodes where he essentially can call them whenever he wants to. And then there were episodes where he's like, I can't reach my button or it's my button's out to call radio for help, you know. But I don't know. Nonetheless, he's... Reaching for the button, and he calls out to everyone. Help! Mask! Police! Army! Navy! That wacky wrecked my radio! He's 
getting away! Uh, nobody will ever find Scott! It's up to me! I can do it! They won't catch this He just misses Thunderhawk pulling up. Yeah. That was that was kind of comical, actually. And uh, so inside Piranha, we see Scott is telling Rax that he's in trouble. He doesn't know who his dad is. Rax just laughs. I was waiting for a line. I was waiting. Oh, yes, I do, kid. That's what know. I was waiting for, but he didn't. <laughs> we didn't, didn't get that line. And uh, as we see Mighty T-Bob in hot pursuit, pulls off uh, some Dukes-type jumps. They chase through some zigzag like a maze through a flower garden with Rax saying, Can't lose the little garbage can. Uh, then he pulls a 180 and blasts T-Bob with the lasers, and it knocks T-Bob off course, sending him into a fire hydrant. And at the time, I didn't catch it until I saw the spray hit uh, when he crashes uh, with Rax saying that, uh, that's what I call being washed up. Yeah. I like T-Bob's little flip here. Did you see, like, when uh, Rax shoots at him, and then he does this, like, front flip. And yeah. then lands back on his tire. I was like, wow, that's impressive. It is, for being a unicycle, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's hard enough to do it like these BMX riders, to, yeah. or motorcycle, motocross, <laughs> to do a front flip. And he can do it on one wheel. I was like, right. wow, impressed. <laughs> so then we see T-Bub's lid open with the water spewing out. That's when I caught that it was actually yeah. through. Yeah. <laughs> but And he says that everything has gone down the drain. Of course. So. He's shooting water through this robot. <laughs> Short circuit has not happened just yet. <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah, I didn't buy into that too much. I just used that as more comical fodder. <laughs> Which it was, and I know that's what it was, but you're me being kind of the nerdy guy I am with electronics. Yeah. I'm How like, does that work? How is he How still is functioning? It? Right. So it, that takes us back to the hotel room. And we've got Matt working on his laptop now, and Bruce is looking on. And as he's typing, the phone rings, and he answers using the speakerphone. Hello? Hello! This is Miles Mayhem. Would you be the leader of Mask? You have a wrong number. I've got your number, Mr. Matt Tracker, and your number is up. I, I thought that was a great line. Because it was it very was, calm. And it was a quick comeback to what yeah. Matt said. Yeah. Matt leans over then and he tells Bruce the legends about the crystal skull must be true. Right. Then we hear Scott calling out for his dad over the speakerphone. Don't listen to that. Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of a brave thing. You know, you think about some of these movies where somebody's kidnapped and they're not wanting the, the person to give up any information and they, you know. Don't tell him anything. Right. I'm fine. It's I don't know. It was, it was Scott being brave, I think, there. I think so. Um, but now we get Matt showing a little concern in his voice. Scott! Can you hear me? It's me, Scott. Don't listen, Dad. You can beat him. Perfect timing, boy. We have him, Tracker, and he'll be fine. As long as you do as I say. First... The Tracker fortune will henceforth be devoted solely to Venom's use. Second. Before he announces his second demand, we then cut briefly to T-Bob driving up to the hotel. 
and then we cut back to the room kind of after his list of demands have already been said. And Miles says uh, he'll expect to hear from Matt. So this was interesting. If They teased us a little bit with what else could he possibly demand right. besides the billions that Matt owns oh, going, to, oh, yeah. going into Venom's bank account. But um, it's not really wasn't too long before we, we know what's going on because... Yeah, uh, but it did set up a good suspense because like, it's an unknown list. Yeah. Oh, it's, that's my list of demands. And I was like, okay, what is well, it? Yeah, what is the but list? <laughs> it set up a good suspense because then we see it, I think, in the next scene, what yeah. exactly it is. Well, Bruce even mentions after that that it was quite the list of demands. Right. And then T-Bob enters the room shouting for Matt. We now zoom in on uh, Boulder Hill's exterior. Inside, we've got Gloria and Dusty sitting around the, the big round table there, and Matt's up on the big screen. And Gloria is dumbfounded, essentially, at Matt's request to... Bring all of the masks and all of our secret data files, including the identities of all mask agents and the location of Boulder Mountain. Not Boulder Hill, Boulder Mountain. Yeah, which okay. I was wondering if that was more to the complex that we don't know about, or if it was just a... Oops. They, I think they made a mistake in the in the writer's department. Uh do we go with the director? Go with it. You know. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, because there's even an episode later in the series called like the fog at Boulder Hill or something. So they they get it right there. I don't know why we didn't get that consistency. I can't remember because it was always all the way back in like episode three or something when they had that battle at Boulder Hill. And I couldn't remember if they should have did a little more research to see if they called it Boulder Hill then, but I thought they did. I think they did too. So I don't know if that was a mistake or what's going on. But anyway, so with Gloria and Dusty stupefied about this request, Matt tells them that it has to be genuine because Mayhem can use the skull to make sure he doesn't get phony goods. Matt then closes his laptop with T Bob saying, But if you give Venom all that stuff, it will be the end of Mask. Venom will take over! That skull. We need to know more about it. Come on, let's find that guy Crowley from the auction. And Matt, he almost ignores T-Bob's statement. You know, if somebody right. told me that, I would have been like, well, we're going to, you know. Matt says uh, they need to find out more about the skull from that Crowley guy at mm -hmm. the auction. And then they head for the door. Right. And then we get back at Boulder Hill, Gloria and Dusty gathering the masks from the overhead carousel and putting them into these separate cases with Dusty saying, Feel like I'm going to a funeral instead of a mission. Did you notice? Did you catch that there's some spare masks? No. Because when they're putting it in the cases, uh huh, they're putting Spectrum. Right. Matt has Spectrum with him on the road, wherever he's at in San Francisco, right? Same with Lifter. Well, Lifter, that's true. He, they had this, so that's what I, I <laughs> made it in my notes. Said, "Are these spares?" Interesting. I didn't notice that. I didn't. I didn't even think to, about that. Yeah. So but was there like, was. I, I did notice there was more cases than right. masks that we've seen at this point. So it did essentially hint that there was more than the agents that we've seen so far in yeah. the series. Yeah. That's what I took away. But I didn't notice. Oh, geez. You know, he should already have. The, he spectrum. just used Spectrum. Right. <laughs> and there he is bringing in another one. So, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just happened to catch it. 
So now we uh, cut back over to Matt Bruce and T-Bob at this man Crowley's house. And he states that... You were bidding against me, eh? But you were bidding too, Professor. Why? So Crowley answers that he would return it to the ground. It came to us as at the wrong time because the world isn't ready for its powers. Crowley continues saying that he suggests that it must be destroyed. It can be destroyed easily, he says because it cannot survive seeing its own image. Once destroyed, the knowledge gained by the people who have used the skull will be erased, which would be great and convenient for Mass yeah, right now. I kind of put in my notes, the penny drops. We know how they're going to get out of this situation. Yeah. Yeah. So. so back at the hotel's parking garage, we see that Dusty and Gloria are helping to load the masks into Thunderhawk. Matt says that mayhem has picked his meeting place with me alone on the Golden Gate Bridge at dawn. First priority is to save Scott. Then we've got to destroy that skull. The very existence of Mask depends on this. Ideas? Perhaps you can be alone, yet not alone. Dusty suggests that he can say something he understands someday. <laughs> I laughed out loud yeah, at that I like that one. I did like, just before this, after Matt tells him that first priority is saving Scott, but then he gives that line that, sets the tone for the seriousness of it was the very existence of mask depends on this. Right. I thought that was a great line. It is. So then Matt says, good idea. Having T-Bob modified to be the Joker in their deck. Uh, T-Bob replies, why not? <laughs> I've always been kind of a card. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. So as dawn breaks on the foggy bridge, Matt points out Alcatraz for T-Bob. And at this point, T-Bod doesn't care. Who cares about that now? I'm so scared. Oh, what if I do something wrong? You'll do fine. Keep your chin up. I don't have a chin. I think it's funny that Matt's the one trying to lighten the mood, you know, and T-Bod... was very serious before. He didn't want to... There was no joking about it. But, now it's... Yeah, and then, well, just a couple scenes before, it was... T-Bob trying to lighten the mood, and Matt just that essentially... Wasn't having it. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, so uh, so we're at the Golden Gate. Uh, Gloria Reddy's from atop a hill, saying that they are ready. Dusty is ready as well, but without his mask, he says he feels like he's in a bad dream where you forgot to put on your pants. <laughs> what? I, I, I thought it was funny. It was hilarious, but it's like, you really want to say that to the eight-year-old kids? <laughs> just, just saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. As T-Bob asks, uh, where are they? A laser blast comes from behind, uh, hitting right next to them. Uh, Rax races up behind with T-Bob saying that That's the one that took Scott! <laughs> then another explosion opposite of them erupts with Jackhammer approaching. Panning to the sky, we see Switchblade flying in with a smokescreen uh, laid down as Miles it says a little pea soup fog should tie things up. I like the animation on the on Switchblade on this because you looked up and again it was kind of at an angle, but they took Switchblade, which was very tiny, and then just kind of brought it out and made a nice sweep, you know, yes. over them. Really like that animation in this episode. And what I liked is that you see that Miles is basically laying down a law. Yeah, I, rather. By visually saying, this is your boundary. You got racks behind you, boom. Yeah. Then you got jackhammer, boom. 
now you got miles enveloping them in the fog to to say yeah, yeah. this the, is it mask you they were really done. pinned them in i mean that yeah. was good it was good the way they did that so this was a brilliant idea whomever the writers were for this so panning to the sky we see switchblade flying in like you identified with the smoke screen then he lands with matt saying let's go t-bob yeah! hold it tracker i told you to come alone Relax. Matt says he's just a robot to help him carry all this junk, Which I <laughs> quote liked. unquote, and that he'll throw him in the deal at no extra charge. I love it. <laughs> I was waiting for T-Bob going, what? What? Uh, it reminded me kind of uh, that moment in, is it uh, Empire or Return of the Jedi when the the droids show up at Jabba's place and they play the message, which is Luke, and Luke says, you know, he's essentially giving them to Jabba for <laughs> whatever he wants. And, you know, C-3PO and R2-D2, well, C-3PO is like, what? What did he say? You're playing the wrong message. That can't be right, you know? <laughs> anyway, that's what that reminded me of when he <laughs> threw T-Bob in on that's the deal. Funny. With the crystal skull in hand, Mayhem wants to be sure his junk is genuine. Matt then tells T-Bob, now! And T-Bob uses his go-go gadget arms to snatch the skull and Scott at the same time from Dagger's clutches. Oh, no! There's the kickoff. Let's go for a touchdown. Get them! As Venom runs to reclaim the skull, Matt runs over Mayhem and Dagger with this cart full of mask Masks. containers. Yep. Yeah. Scott and T-Bob <laughs> with the skull tucked away like a football. T-Bob, they're running toward Thunderhawk, but Rax jumps in the way. And then here we get T-Bob getting a little revenge back on Rax by headbutting him out of the way, but he fumbles the skull onto the ground. Way to go, T-Bob! Scott, get the Thunderhawk! Call the team! All right! I don't know, Matt's plan to... <laughs> to get Scott back work, but then he's depending on Scott to... Radio get, to get back to the Thunderhawk to radio the team. I don't yeah. know. That seemed a little shaky there to me. But anyway, Rax now inches towards the skull to grab it, but Matt swoops in and picks it up. Scott radios the mask team to move in. Shark peels out, who was been waiting up above, and then Gator ejects the boat into the bay. Matt tells T Bob it's time for the skull to get a look at itself. And T-Bob opens up his top hatch, and he's got this mirror that appears. And as Matt is holding up the skull, before you know anything can happen, we get a shot of Viper acid flying above his head right. as the Venom agents are now back on their feet and approaching. Uh, Matt turns and begins to climb up the, uh, the bridge cable there on the Golden Gate Bridge. I'll bring you down, Tracker! Viper mask! Fire! Ready, T-Bob! T-Bob repositions the mirror, and the skull now begins to glow and start to crack. Mm -hmm. And then Matt says to Miles that he's changed his mind, that he can have the skull back. The Venom agents look down at the skull and run away as Mayhem thinks it's going to explode now. Uh, it's going to explode! What? What are we doing here? 
I thought we were robbing a bank. You know, it was kind of right. like what the Crowley guy said, that it did happen. They didn't remember anything. But I'm thinking, okay, well, Matt still doesn't have his mask on. And if you see Thunderhawk, you can still put two and two together there. Right. <laughs> you would think. And it, okay, so then after the skull explodes, Dagger even says that he thought they were robbing a bank. A couple of fireballs then hit near them from an approaching shark, mm-hmm. which I didn't know it had like those. It looked like fireballs to me, at least. The venom agents scatter as we then cut back to Matt on the cable just as it breaks. As the cable breaks, it sends Matt plummeting and hanging under the bridge now. Matt! Hi, guys. I'm having a swinging time down here. What in the world is going on? Let's get out of here! T-Pop stumbles around asking if Venom has gone yet with Venom buzzing right by them. And then it it breaks the mirror with uh, Switchblade's landing skid and ends up catching that the mirror's frame right. on T-Bob and whisks him away. That was ridiculous, but it was funny. I it, mean. <laughs> it was, and I, I liked it. I guess I realized we're not too fond of T-Bob anyway, at least for his jokes. But it was like, now what? <laughs> right. They didn't think this one through that that could yeah. loop now could fit in freaking on a on a helicopter landing skid. Well it kind of showed me too, and maybe I'm getting ahead a little bit of the review, but the, you know, it's not like anybody really rushed after T Bob. No. Oh, Matt Matt was stuck down below. Of course you want right. to save Matt, but they're just like, Oh, they T Bob went off on switchblade. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> we did say he was gonna throw him in. Right. But um, so anyway, so it breaks and T-Bob plummets. We're taken right back to Matt and he tries to climb. Dad, don't climb up. The cable's breaking. I'll get lifter. Bruce says that he'll go get lifter, but then he falls. Yeah, didn't have time. Right. So luckily, Dusty is just right underneath and uses the water cannon to literally catch him and just reduces the water level. So he makes a nice cushy landing inside the uh, the boat all right dusty hey fella what are you doing trying to jump on my boat we're now at alcatraz mm-hmm. and we see t-bob behind bars with scott saying he's in prison t-bob replies that he didn't do any skullduggery or skulking around and we all fade with a little chuckle uh, I wanna, Actually, we didn't even get a chuckle at we the didn't, end. That's right, we didn't. So I want to step back a couple of things, yeah. just minor. Sure. But when T-Bob flips up his whatever cap, we'll mm-hmm. call it, and you see the mirror come out, right there I I had the Inspector Gadget theme going. <laughs> because yeah. go, go, Gadget, whatever, it would always come out. Usually the it's helicopter. Always something, there yeah. was something, even that little hand would come out and yeah. uh, scratch his chin. <laughs> so Whatever just, you need, it would, it's inside T-Bob. Right. But that takes us on to our PSA. Right. And we fade up to Scott and T-Bob back at the hotel in their bed. Scott, someone's sneaking around outside. I'll call the police. T-Bob realizes that they're just changing a tire. And boy, would they feel dumb if they had actually called the police. Well, Scott says that. They should always call the police, even if they don't know what's going on, just to be safe. It doesn't hurt. Right. And that was 
essentially it for the PSA, and we are on to you, sir, to give you your final verdict. Well, it was hard for me because I wanted to knock down a couple things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was starting to get a little bit annoying with T-Bob's lines, mm-hmm. and even Matt kind of got into it, although it was only once. Oh, I'm just hanging around as he's uh, it was, clinging to his life. It was a couple. He had a couple puns in this. I episode. guess so. But that one's the one that yeah. kind of stuck out. But they had such good animation. They thought, uh, it's like the writers actually thought this one out. Yeah. From how they're going to make some ties to how Miles knows who Matt is, uh, how they use this crystal skull to see who it is, to ransoming everything just to get Scott back. Yeah. Then the bombardment from all angles on the bridge, just it was really it just kind of wiped away all the ticks for me. There was a good suspense for the most part all the way around until you figured out Miles wanted everything. You know, you're like, what? What does he want? What's this yeah, list? What's yeah. this? Back at oh, Boulder it's everything. Hill. Yeah. So, um, Boulder Mountain. Boulder Mountain. <laughs> that that was the kind of that was a tick. I didn't mark it down, but it was one of those where I, uh, I almost got borderline marked down. Mm-hmm. Overall, I I I liked I liked even the kidnapping and how they got Scott. It could have been better, like you indicated. It could have been a better way. Yeah, they could have kidnapped him. But overall, I, I it, to me, it's all good stuff. That's what I wrote down here. Is all good stuff. So I I gave it a five. It's it's a wavering. Like I said, it might be a couple ticks, like four point eight, but mm-hmm. it's a five. What about you? I'm I'm right there with you. I'm I'm gonna give it just because there was a lot of little things that added up. I'm gonna keep that half point, but four and a half. I'm gonna round it up to five. <laughs> so I'll give it a five. Um, I was just thinking too. I mean, it was good writing. I props to the the writers for coming up with this episode and being able to use that identity in an episode and still have a way out, you know, uh, the way they had this, the skull, but there was a lot of practical and there was a lot of the mystical. So you had the mystical and the, the kind of practical plot in one. So you had them robbing a bank, but then you also are using something unique to, to get that done. And then the other thing I thought about just now too was, there was still the fact that Miles Mayhem was able to easily identify Matt. So he knows who Matt he knows who Matt Tracker is, and whether he, you know, Matt Tracker is essentially uh, the Donald Trump of his time or something that everybody would know him. That remains to be seen, but there's still the possibility that there's some kind of history. Oh yeah, with the two, even though we never got essentially an, an origin story and we've had a couple of flashbacks here and there but aside from the comics that still leaves the door open i think for there's a possibility of, of matt and miles having some kind of history to right. start all this right. so i thought that was that's good but yeah you know like i said the animation was great throughout there were some genuine laugh out loud moments mainly at some of the lines the one-liners that they had which usually are the, you know, having me roll the eyes, right. but mainly in the second half of the episode. I loved hearing Matt and Miles call each other by name. 
And, you know, despite the jokes, T-Bob still showed some courage in the second half by going after Scott yep. when Rax uh, kidnaps him. And then, of course, at the end there, when he just essentially rams Rax, <laughs> <laughs> he'd had enough of him. Um, and the drama was good. And, you know, like you mentioned, the short delay in letting us know Mayhem's demands was, right. was really good. A few bad things from the second half with the threat of mask essentially being no more i would have liked matt's attitude to be a little more serious and not so much joking you know i mean the mask existence is on the line and here you are making some jokes or trying to you know make the situation lighthearted by showing t-bob alcatraz i would like to see him a little more right. serious but you know he was even joking about potentially plummeting to his death <laughs> right you know come on uh, the normal puns were there but there were still, you know, like I said, there were some genuine funny comebacks by Scott that didn't use jokes. That was good. And even that one time he rolled his eyes at T-Bomb, I thought that was funny. The ticks, I was thinking maybe Mayhem could have checked the Skull's powers before they even got to the bank. True. That was just something I thought he could have of. Been looking at Jackhammer. Yeah. Looking through, oh, wow, wow, you know, whatever. Yeah, I... And it didn't, like I said, it didn't take any points away for that, but uh, that's just something I thought of. I would have liked to see T Bob get a little more credit at the end instead of having him, you know, behind bars. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just felt like uh, he did his part in this episode. And, you know, the PSA didn't tie in, but. Well, I'm kind of tied in. They were in the hotel room there. I'm yeah, a little bit. As close as I got the tie. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to, I, I assume they were at the the hotel there, but I don't know. I give the PSA a little bit more bonus points when they essentially have some same surroundings or whatever at right. the end. But it was still a, a pretty good episode. Well, great episode, I think. One of the best probably in this stretch of, uh, of episodes that we've been reviewing. So um, script similarities. I had a couple course robbing the bank we yep. have them robbing a bank and it's using jackhammer it's using jackhammer too and that's one thing i mentioned too the animation for jackhammer when they came up to rob the bank i thought was really good because you it had was. it lifting up and turning blasting away and then converting back right. um they took some time into into doing that but yeah and you know they're testing out the the skull well they're testing out jackhammer in our script when they're robbing this bank. So I thought that was a similarity. And then the obvious thing was Matt and Miles knowing each other. And right. the surprise really comes in our script from the agents not knowing the vehicles, really. I was trying to think back. I think for the most part, all the agents know who Miles and Matt is, but they might not necessarily know who else is on the team. Right, right. Because we left the, like, Rax and Dagger were actually jailmates. Right. That run away with them or get basically just luckily get on the same, uh, on switchblade to get out of the, to, to the prison. break out of the jail. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's, yeah, there was, there's no more surprise with the other agents and then the vehicles that they, that Venom creates essentially. Right. While they're putting the team together, but. Did you have anything else as far as similarities? You got them all. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, let's go to some feedback, and then uh, and then we'll move on to preview the next podcast. Sounds like a plan. 
onto the poll. Uh, looks like we got one, two, three, four, five for five. Five. Uh, no, I'm sorry. We got seven votes for five and five votes for four. That's what I'm showing. I don't know why my computer doesn't like me like this. <laughs> but yeah. So 58% was five, 42% was four. We didn't have anything below a four. So, so I think a lot of people. 4.5. Well, <laughs> yeah, as we'll, uh, as we'll note here, many other people thought it was a, a good episode. So um, we did have one comment up here in the Facebook comments from Marcel Van Berkel. He says, one of my personal favorites, instead of having Venom threaten some far-off place, they had them hitting home. When things got personal, we got to see a whole other side of the team's dynamic. Also, for some reason, I like seeing the masks for characters not featured in the episode itself. I guess he means by uh, when they were pulling up the, uh, the stuff off the carousel and seeing the other masks. The other ones, they weren't being used for a particular agent. We then have uh, three comments on the blog. Got a short one here from Deep Ghoul. Right, he says, uh, or she says, this episode was the closest Venom ever came to defeating Mask. It might be. We haven't got there yet. <laughs> we haven't quite, yeah, got through the whole series yet, but uh, we'll take your word for it at this point because, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there was any other, the, the way they had him trapped in there, like you said, I mean, that was great. Yeah. So we'll agree with you on this one. Um, then we got Eric from Cartoonopolis. I like Eric's point of view. He always goes into some good details. Yeah. Usually ones that I miss. Uh, <laughs> Eric says, uh, this was a good episode. Despite the heavy presence of Scott and T-Bob and the bad puns, Venom displays a remarkable level of competence in not only figuring out that Scott is Matt Tracker's son, but in finding him so quickly. That's what we noted. Right. Uh, Eric goes on to say, in fact, it was really too easy for Rax to find Scott so fast in such a big city as San Francisco. Also, as someone who has traveled there, I can state with certainty that the Golden Gate Bridge is never that deserted at any time. Probably. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, Maybe on Sunday. For the, yeah, <laughs> since the banks are closed and they don't have their alarms working. The Crowley guy turned out to be a real jerk just walking off instead of letting Tracker know about the properties of the skull in the beginning. I, I kind of agree with that. Yeah. Uh, he says, I guess they need to fill a half hour somehow. Uh, my biggest peeve with this episode was the ending. It was too convenient that the skull could be destroyed by its own reflection. And not only that, but why did Dagger would forget everything that happened made no sense since he never used the skull at all. Now that's true. Cause he, well, let's see. Dagger was waiting in the, waiting for the getaway. So he didn't see what was going on out there. I don't know. Yeah. It was, that's a good point though, it is. That, uh, that he didn't use the mask and they kind of made him sound like he was, you know, his memory was coming back or whatever. Right. By all rights, Venom should still know Tracker is the leader of mask, but unfortunately this will not be the case as the rest of the season one will return to the status quo after this episode, a strong episode to be sure, except for the week ending. And then of course our buddy, Anna, goes into great detail on this uh, review. Yeah, I see. 
this is a very interesting episode, right? At least from a fan's point of view. The plot is quite shocking as the idea of Venom discovering the true identity of the members of Mask is almost unthinkable in this version of the series. The episode includes some great scenes. The best ones are probably when T-Bob chases Rax after he has kidnapped Scott, and when Mayhem calls Matt and tells him that he has discovered that he is the leader of Mask. I especially liked that we never heard Mayhem's entire list of demands in this scene. Instead, it switches to T-Bob, which is great. Another good scene is when Switchblade peers over the Golden Gate Bridge towards the end of the episode. However, the episode also contains some big flaws. The episode, probably more than any of the others, episodes can't have been an idea to divide some of them into two parts. Now, I'm going to stop you there because we had talked about this before, that there's no two-part episodes in Mask. This would have been a perfect one, I think. You get to that point where essentially um, they're gathering the masks in Boulder Hill and you know Matt's telling them to bring everything. That would have been a great to be continued. You that know? would have been awesome. Yes. So that's a good point that Anna makes, knowing that we don't get any two-part episodes. That that should have did a couple. And I agree. Uh, this would have been a good one to to do that. The episode feels like it's over before it has even started. The skull breaks just when it's starting to get exciting. That is a good point. Yeah. The episode's biggest flaw is still that the ending is revealed too soon. The moment the professor says that if the skull sees its own reflection and breaks, all knowledge gained will, with it will be erased from the viewer's memory. Everyone understands that that's how the episode is going to end. That's the one I was trying to think of when we were doing the episode review. I don't know why I thought the other one. But that's what I was thinking of. We know it's done. We yeah. know how to take care of the skull. Wouldn't it have been a better idea if we had seen the skull break And Venom looking all confused and not remembering anything without knowing why this happened. And then the professor could have explained this, for example, in a conversation with Matt at the very end of the episode. That way, the ending wouldn't have been revealed so early. That's actually a good point. Yeah, that is true. So, in this view, the mask and Venom, uh, in another version of the series, are supposed to have been one organization once and therefore uh, know each other's identity. The Mask series comes in two different versions, one in which Venom knows the identity of, of the Mask members and one in which they don't. This is not unique for Mask, and there are shows where the... Uh, Logicalities. Stuff, that works. <laughs> uh, caused by different versions are much greater than they are here. Very good points. Yeah, and I, I was kind of alluding to that too, where having the knowledge of the comic books and the mini comics that were put in with the toys, you had that going in. We had that going into this episode. So that's where I kind of got that history of, well, he was still able to identify Matt pretty easily. And, you know, is he just a celebrity, you know, to everybody in the world? Is that the, you know, how the, how he's portrayed or um, why else would they, would they put that in there? But yeah, I mean, very good points as always from uh, our Vanessa. Right. (laughs) Thank you for that, Anna. Yes. Thank you. Well, let's, uh, let's go ahead and wrap the episode. Um, 
Our next podcast will be the overall review of what we're calling season four of Mass Cast. We'll be looking back on episodes 31 to 40, which will include a brief synopsis of each episode and then our personal ratings. And then we'll get into some of the best and worst moments that we choose. That's always fun. And then we will uh, essentially uh, pull out the statistics, uh, which is I always like to do, and compare them to the other 10 episode, right? quote unquote, seasons of Mass Cast and see how 31 to 40 measures up against you know some of the other ones. I think... If I remember right from the last one, we had rated overall the, the first 10 episodes the best, and we might have been stuck in the moment at that, but uh, just you know, getting into the podcasting. But I think we went better 21 to 30 than we did in 11 to 20, but I could be wrong on that. Hmm. I know there was one stretch where we kind of rated lower. You know what? I think maybe it was 21 to 30 because that one had Paint of Power. <laughs> and I do remember giving that one a two. Yes. Um, and Sharon was, uh, when we were talking with her, if you didn't see that, we told her, because she even asked, <laughs> what was your favorite? And Jason, like, without a bat, just said, I can tell you what's not my favorite. <laughs> and I don't think I ever got gave you the uh, opportunity to share your favorites. Uh, I got sucked into that question from her. <laughs> so I apologize for That's that, okay. bro. But um, didn't you give it an episode of two one time? What was it that you gave it to? I did, and now it might be. Oh, I know which one it was. It was the one that had the cool animation <laughs> that I really liked. Uh, it was number oh, yeah, thirty. Something it was, got me um, real pissed that whole episode. Uh, it's gonna. It'll come to me in a minute. It's number thirty. I know. I remember that for a fact because it was right after Matter of Gravity when we got Hurricane uh, Rio. Um, Lost Riches of Rio. That's that's it. Number thirty, and that's where I thought it kind of flipped the switch, and it seemed like we had new animators. And then you poo pooed on it. <laughs> oh, that was one of the episodes, one of the rare episodes where we were on the opposite ends of the scale. Definitely. I have to look it up now. Yeah, that's I'm, making me curious. I'm pretty sure it was Lost Riches of Rio, number thirty. Anyway, um, so yeah, we'll have fun. We'll get to pull out the stats. That's it. There's the rating. And I I still have the comment. I either had a bad day or this episode just rubbed me wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't think we had any of those episodes during this stretch. So uh, we'll see how it stacks up against uh, the other 10 episode (laughs) seasons. And uh, we'll also give you an opportunity to vote for your favorite uh, episodes as we always do. Right. And uh, I'll see if I can find maybe uh, 10 or 12 different scenes or uh, moments in this stretch you can vote on for as well. But uh, that'll be fun. Uh, hopefully we'll get that done here in the next uh, maybe week or so. So I'll, I'll go ahead and post that up on uh, agentsofmass.com. Y'all go over there and, uh, and look for that and start voting. And uh, we'll finish up this stretch and then we'll, I'm, I'm really, really anxious to get into the next stretch, 41 to 50. When we get the next chapter yeah. of cars. Yeah, we get start getting some new agents, new vehicles, and finally. <laughs> so, right. so Philip chimed in here on the actual Google Plus side of the the show. He says, "Did you know that Hasbro is currently working on reviving Mask?" Uh, okay, show me the uh, 
Give me a source. <laughs> yes, because uh, if and no, no, we're not joking or anything. But if you might have missed some of our episodes ago, there's a Mask Cast chat that we talked yeah. about uh, where Mask said it was in the new line of products. Yeah, they Hasbro had a, and it's still up. Yes. Um, if you go to their it's their corporate page. There's several parts to Hasbro's site. I think there's a corporate, and I think there's a... I want to say maybe a newsroom or something. Maybe it's not on the corporate tab. Uh, open it up there in the browser real quick while we're talking about it and while he's bringing it up. Um, you go to Hasbro's site, and I believe it's in the media or it's in the newsroom section. There's a slideshow. Um, and we've got a, like Wyatt said, there's a post on uh, Agents of Mask that we did, and we discussed it in length with Maskcast chat. That's right. If you we, look on with, YouTube, was it with Bill? I think we did. Yes, it was yeah. with Bill. Go to corporate at the at the top right. You'll click on that, and then you'll go to newsroom, and the one tab. So you go to corporate in the top right, and then you click on the tab that says newsroom on Hasbro site. And then just below this first opening paragraph is a slideshow presentation. It's called Hasbro's Overview, June 2015. And I believe it's slide number 12 or 13. Why it's clipping over there right now. It's number 12. Yep. Number slide 12. number 12 under the quote-unquote new brands, including Jim, uh, Stretch Armstrong. Can't read what that one is. And uh and a Zuma, Zuka. Action Man, the Micronauts, and there's Mask in right. its classic logo. So I will say, and I, I don't think I mentioned this. I should have mentioned this in uh, Get Your Mask On. Uh, before Mask Day, which was September 30th, that weekend before, I emailed a person over at Hasbro. Just uh, one of those shots in the dark. Hey, this is Jason. I'm with Agents of Mask. We run a podcast. We're hoping that we might get some information because it's the 30th anniversary and I kind of left it at that. And this person replied back to me. It was several days after mask day. <laughs> so I didn't get a chance to, you know, say anything. Uh, the person didn't really reveal. They kind of hinted there might be something going on. Uh, they said essentially their Hasbro has many brands and, um, many different things that they're working, working on. on, essentially, is what this person said. And she did thank me for, uh, you know, noticing the slideshow and and even wished me a, a happy 30th anniversary in the email. <laughs> so I was hoping for a nice little uh, inside story there. I didn't get it, but. You know, it's one of those things where she didn't say yes, but she didn't say no. But did she say maybe? Well, she hinted that maybe. <laughs> so um, I wouldn't even go there, you know. I'm so. sorry. I'm pulling my Stooges lines out of my head now. Right. So, Philip, if you're talking about that little injection into the the web news there that I think was first reported by Toy Arc and then – I hounded the crap out of Toy Arc for their source. Yeah. <laughs> and they they sure enough gave it up and there it is. It's still on, you know, Hasbro's site. So if that's the occurrence you're talking about, then 
yeah, we've kind of gone down that road. Um, right. I'm not gonna. I'm not at this at the point where we can say officially, other than this slideshow, that mask is making a comeback or that they're quote unquote working on it. Right. But we are hopeful. Very hopeful because you never a lot know. Of people are hopeful. Well, yeah. <laughs> but it, it, we're just hoping that we'll see something. What you need. But yeah, we 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 are. If there's something else going on that we are not aware of, Philip, uh, please just push that to us because we maybe yeah. you know something we don't know. Uh, but yes, we're aware of that. At least that much we know. Uh, Vaughn is saying one. I think a bidding comment here. He's saying I think Hasbro should relaunch Robotics, Inhumanoids, Visionaries, and Zoids. For today's generation of kids and teens, uh, all of those I do not know. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I will go on your your discretion there, Vaughn, and say, sure, let's go. <laughs> well, visionaries, I remember the Knights of Magical Light. They were the. Uh, it was a short-lived series, maybe twelve or thirteen episodes. Uh, actually, had the guy Chris Lotta. I think it was one of those Sunbow cartoons. They were the figures that had that little uh, hologram on their chest. Oh, And okay. they would come out and they would become like an animal. I do know that one. I didn't have any of the toys. I remember some of my friends had the toys and I never remember watching the series. I did watch, actually watched the pilot on YouTube one time. I think actually that whole series might be on YouTube, the visionaries. So, so I do remember that one. So yeah, I'm fuzzy on the other ones. Uh, I don't know about Robotics, but I know Robotech. Yeah, I'm familiar with that. Robotech's actually getting a live-action movie. Yeah, and I thought it was... Um, I'm trying to think who it was. Someone we know. I mean, we all know him, probably. But I'm trying to think if it was... Um, my wife, oddly enough, knows this. <laughs> uh, just, just I don't know, out of sheer randomness, she knows this. Um, what you talking about? Robotech. Mm -hmm. there was, there's someone... What's his name? Guy that played Spider-Man initially, Tobey Maguire. Tobey Maguire was supposedly like he's involved with it. I thought it was him. Yeah. Um, let's. Uh, I tell you what. Let's end. Yeah. Let's end it right now. <laughs> we'll, we'll be on this road. Let's. Yeah. Let's kind of wrap it up for the podcast part of it, and then we can answer some questions. So. Yeah. Anyway, so we thank you for uh, for obviously listening to Masscast. If you. Let me also throw out, too, if you listen to us in iTunes or on Stitcher, just do us a quick favor and go give us a star rating. I don't care if it's one or five. Give us a rating and, and put a comment up there. We just There's a couple, I think, in iTunes. We appreciate those. I don't know if there's any on Stitcher, but um, go ahead and give us a review so we can try to get mass casts out there to more people. But, uh, we again, we always appreciate you listening. Yes, and thank you for joining and watching MassCast. MassCast. Wow, that, that was so easy I can't stand it. 